Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, along with CPA Allison Rife Martin, Philip interviews business finance expert John Ronnie. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now, here's Philip. We are back with another episode of the Ask Philip podcast. And today we are talking about how to get money, which is like one of the favorite topics. Like whenever I talk about how to get money or taxes or something like that, people people love these episodes. And so today we have your favorite guest host, Allison Rife Martin, CPA, back with us. And she brought her friend, John Ronning, who helps people get money talk about how to get money so welcome back allison thanks for coming john My thanks so much for, yeah thanks for having me uh philip so john what john what part what part of uh we'll, we'll get started with you but but, but before we go there where, where are you originally from what what part of the 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 country are you originally from john well, well i'm a, a native minnesotan person i'm used to cold weather so our last cold spell in Texas was uh, not all that uh, bad for me. <laughs> but, but, you know, when you start talking about 20 below, I, I, which is 50 degrees colder than you need to make ice, you know, I'm used to that weather. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I, I'm definitely not. I was like, whoa, this is super cold. And as you saw, our, our infrastructure, for, you know, like having salt, or I mean, we didn't have any of the basic stuff out there required. No, like, people, you know, no, they they were late to cleaning the streets and putting salt out there, and I didn't I didn't have a shovel. I I got my golf clubs and I was in the driveway trying to like chip at it, <laughs> and I was like, this is going to take forever. Let me just put, let me just, <laughs> let me just put this. Oh up. my gosh, yeah, that, was, that was that was a terrible idea. It, it made sense in my mind when I started doing it, and then when I started, I was like, no, nah, this is going to take forever. Just forget it. <laughs> Let's talk about money, and, and and if you don't mind, can you can you give can you explain to everybody exactly what you do? Because you're not you don't work for a bank. You're you're more like a consultant. So so get so give yes. everybody background on yes. what you do. If I can, please, I'll back up a little bit and just give me give give a little bit more background. I'm I'm an old Price Waterhouse guy. I went from Price Waterhouse to Carlson Companies in Minneapolis. My job was buying corporations for Mr. Carlson. At that point, it was he, he was two billion dollars a year in privately held. Now he's about 160 billion in privately held, and his daughter succeeded him. Mr. Carlson expired, so it's a private, largest privately held woman-run organization in the world. One of the things that he acquired before I got there was a, a startup restaurant company called TGI Fridays. And and I started with Fridays. I was transferred down from Minneapolis. I started with Fridays, and they had four restaurants, and they had just annualized their sales at $10 million and slapping each other on the back. And I left when it was about, I'm not sure, I think it was about 350 units. And uh, they were doing an incredible job on setting the standards for the industry. I left there, and, and the only other company that I worked for that you'd recognize is Siemens out of Germany, and they had a, a division in the ditch. 
and they needed to turn it around. They, they had also set aside a $100 million by board resolution to build out this division, except they weren't making any money. They had a problem. It was not much of a problem, but you know Siemens is incredibly good at recognizing what they don't know how to do. So I turned it around. It was about a 90-day effort, and we were producing cash. And uh, then they said they picked up their $100 million and said, John, uh, we'll pay you handsomely if you sell this corporation for us because we want to get out of the business. And the fact issue is, is that they never should have been in the business. And then I started doing this again, which is what I do routinely is project uh, financing gigs. I did my first $5 million transaction when I was 28, and I'm an awful lot older (laughs) (laughs) now. So, so the this is what I do. I look for or businesses contact me when they want financing. I don't do anything that has to do with consumer debt. If you want to buy a car, you want a credit card. I'm not the guy to call. But I do things that have to do with uh, business debt. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, so I was going to ask John since you said that you did a lot of turnarounds. How has that influenced your ability to help? your current book of customers find a great deal or you know, better loan uh, opportunities? Well, the uh, turnaround aspect is the majority of the clients that I have bring me a transaction and they want to buy it. It needs to be fixed. It needs to be financed. It needs whatever it needs. Now, when you start talking about the, the legal challenges, then I have friends that do m work that are attorneys. When you talk, uh, start talking about accounting challenges, uh, then I have friends, including you, Allison, that will take a look at the books and say, you know, this needs to be fixed. They make it, all of those people make, you know, put everything in line for an acquisition. And then my piece of that is to bring in the financing once all that stuff is set. Then you get to the, the point where you know, you're evaluating, I'm evaluating, you're evaluating, Allison, what is the cash flow, what are the assets, what are, the, you know, longevity, you know, all these other things that go into a, a business acquisition. Okay. And, and, and so, and you kind of answered this follow-up question a little bit, but we kind of corresponded before, banks are not in the business of taking risks. And so if somebody wants to say, hey, I want to buy this company, but it might be a bit challenging. Like, how do they package things up in a way to make the bank want to give them the money, right? Make, you know, line it up in the bank's box. They got the little boxes with like, hey, we'll lend money to this, this, and this. But, you know, what are, and I know there's lots of different examples, but if you can give like three examples of things that banks, you know, want in a package that, that, that will allow them to give money to, you know, somebody who wants to buy a business. You've asked me a question with 40 answers. The, uh, <laughs> the first thing is is that I would evaluate it in terms of are, are, are your prospects in the right market? There's really two markets for cash. One of them is debt and one of them is equity. And each one of those has a pyramid people playing in that market. And I don't do anything in the equity market or uh, later on, I'll tell you how close I get to it, but it's not equity. So if you, if a, a prospect approaches me and it is truly a debt deal, it's not an equity deal, it's not a, then, then it's going to have uh, four 
basic characteristics. The first thing is, is with uh, very little exception, the first thing is, is, is what's the capacity of the, the acquiring company that is the borrower to repay the debt? Can they repay the debt? So it becomes very important then that their target is making money or not making money. That doesn't matter. It, it has to do with a consolidated effort on the part of a, the acquiring company to pay off the debt. The second thing is going to be credit. Is everybody credit worthy? The third thing is going to be collateral. Is there anything that's going to be available in case everything does not work? And finally, it's, it's just going to be the, the capital. Do they have enough money to do this deal? Now, that's a fractional type of a thing that is they need 10% equity, they need 20% equity, they need whatever they need. So all of those things, but keep in mind that this is a puzzle, and we put together puzzles. We are not magicians. We are mechanics. <laughs> you know, you give, give me this stuff, I, I throw it into the hopper, I turn the crank, and out comes a number of lenders that I deal with that will look at this deal. So that's basically, you know, the startup on the whole thing. And then you get into all the other things that make uh, loans happen. So I was going to say along those kind of lines in terms of collateral, is that going to be like the investor's personal collateral or is it the company's kind of collateral? Because I think that would be a big one that, you know, if businesses who are looking to, to buy something that's a turnaround, what kind, what's the expectation there? It's all of the above. It's it's a consolidated thing. The other the other issue that uh, the question that you did not ask Allison is, let's say that there's no collateral, then 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 there's that is we're talking about IT, we're talking about recurring revenues on somebody that's not making any money. Are there lenders that will do issues where an IT company is not profitable but has recurring revenues of a few million dollars? And the answer is yes. That's not bank, but the, uh, it's not a bank. The bank will not do that because government will not, frankly, not allow them to do that. Mm. But there are lenders out there that will do that kind of an issue. So when you're short of collateral, then the compensating factor is how much cash are you producing? If you're producing cash and have for a long time and have recurring revenues and are not going to quit, that will amortize the debt for some period of time in case everything else goes wrong, is there a lender out there to do that deal? And the answer is yes. Okay. And, and so you brought up, you know, we talked about some questions before, but through through the email and through this question, I think I got a better follow-up question. It's going to be, what are the different types of places you can get debt from, right? Because traditionally people think banks, but you just mentioned, for example, like IT, no collateral, banks don't want that. What are the other, what are all types of lenders that are out there that people can 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 get debt from. Well, the cheapest debt in the world is bank debt. Now think about it. So you got anybody. Let's say that uh, Philip wants to make a loan. If you want to make a loan and the the your upside potential is two percent, you're going to make a loan. You're going to make two percent more than the money that uh, you put into the deal. The the downside is that you lose a hundred percent. The upside is that you gain two percent. <laughs> now how much? How many of those loans do you want to make, Philip? Not a bunch. Well, <laughs> Not a lot. Of <laughs> if you want to make any, I've got some people that will take your money. 
in the ideal situation, I mean, if you look at it on an overall basis, I mean, uh, banking as a whole, carving out a couple of exceptions like SBA loans, which are a little bit more expensive, the maximum amount that a bank is going to make uh, less their cost of funds, the spread, is going to be 2%. There's fees, there's this, there's that, there's, you know, whatever. They're going to charge you for a, a bank account. They're going to do whatever. But the fact issue is, is that for 10 years or 30 years or five years or whatever the t- term is, that their the most profit is going to be 2%. If the risk and reward things indicate that they ought to get more than 2%, guess what happens? They pass the deal. They won't take the risk. Then you move into another market. Now, in the other market, you've got uh, a, a wide spectrum of things, all of them which are non-bank regulated, that is non-government, non-office of control or the currency regulated. So you've got asset-based lenders, ABLs, that will do loans. You've got hard money lenders. You've got uh, bridge financing people. You've got credit card people that that will expect things. You've got factors that want 36% a year. You've got it all. I mean, the issue is, is, you know, can you afford to pay uh, that kind of premium for money, or what's your alternative? Most people find that their alternative is going broke or equity, which is more expensive than any debt instrument. So, you know, that's kind of where it's at. Okay. I guess you would also throw the mob in one of their, in that too, right? You can always go to the mob. <laughs> I don't talk to those. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I was going to ask, John. In, in what you're seeing in the marketplace now, is there any industry that seems to be you're, you're navigate or gravitating towards, like, are you seeing more like the healthcare space or the fintech space in terms of like lending opportunities or lending requests, maybe? I would uh, rephrase your question in, in, because, you know, getting back to magician versus mechanic, the lenders come to me looking for transactions. They want to do things. So what am I seeing and not seeing today? Well, I'm seeing a lot of demand for healthcare-related types of product. I'm not seeing any demand for things that have to do with energy. The the old stable issue is uh, a bank wants to do another manufacturing concern in downtown Dallas. Well, everybody wants to do that. So the M&A is very hot today. Any acquisition types of things, all the pieces have to fit together. At the end of the day, today, there's an incredible amount of money in banks looking for good deals. And so you got what you got to do is then package up a deal that looks good to them. Got it. So basically, healthcare, but if I understand it, it's more like if you're dealing with a bank, right? It's more like, hey, just make sure that you make sure the bank knows that they're not taking any risks, that they're going to they're going to get their money back, meaning they got collateral, if the cash flow isn't there, they got strong cash flow, they have uh, a, a good business that's not speculative, maybe maybe not even a business that's super uh, super cyclical. I mean, is that you know, with, with with them not making that much money, their risk appetite is extremely low. I mean, do we understand that correctly? Is that is that a good assessment? Yes, yes, and and that pertains to uh, anything else. And and I mean, that is there's an awful lot of appetite for for loans right now. And what you got to do is is to remember that banking is yet another form of marketing. 
And banks uh, look for deals that they've done for decades. Uh, institutional lenders look for things that they've done for decades. And they're not going to think outside of the box and they're going to restructure it. And as an, uh, quickly as an aside, when, when you bring a deal to the bank, what is the most important thing that that banker does to date? Is it make that deal? No. The most important thing that that man does today is keep his job, you know? <laughs> I, I hate to, I hate to be so rudimentary, but if this does not fit their pistol, they're not going to push it upstairs. And so, so when you're talking about banking, you've got to remember it's a, an apples and oranges type kind of comparison. If you're selling apples, you don't want to take it to a guy that the only thing he's doing is 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 jets. <laughs> and that's a the other very common mistake in this arena is that if you package up your, or don't package up, if you don't know what you're doing or enough to get you on down the street and you take it to your local bank and they say no, then you figure that every bank in the world is going to say no. Well, no, that's not the deal. You took it to the wrong bank. Mm. It gets back to the marketing aspect. These guys do what they've done for decades. They don't do anything else. If you don't know what they're going to do, don't pound on the door, you know, go someplace else, figure it out. That that, that makes complete sense because you, you, you already answered my, I was going to follow up and say, you know, you have these, you have these specialized, you know, private equity firms that will roll up, you know, for example, like there's private equity firms that are rolling up wealth management firms, which typically banks, banks don't love to, to, to lend to investment advisory business because it's, not a lot of assets, but it's recurring revenue. And so if you understand what type of an investment advisory firm has sticky clients and that revenue, you know, what that looks like, you can you can lend with, with low amount of risk. And so I, I've always wondered, you know, how are these private equity firms that are rolling up all these wealth management firms, you know, where are they getting their money? It's got to be from somewhere. And so you, you, you kind of answered it in the sense that are they are they going to specialized forms of money that say, hey, we understand the risks here and we'll give money all day long for the right box in this in this arena? Right. No, 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 you're exactly right. In that particular example, what you're talking about is cash flow lending. You're talking about historically, what have they done? Uh, if they take a hit and guess what? Every one of these deals goes into the ditch sometime and it's not incumbent upon the lender to move it out except as a last resort. So they're looking at management to say, how in the world are you going to fix this? Don't tell me you got a problem. Fix your problem. You know, it's that kind of a deal. It's just hard and all those kinds of things. I've got clients that do very large deals and, and trying to do very small deals for them is difficult. I've got clients that do very small deals and doing very large deals for them is difficult. You just got to fit it into the box. It's the puzzle. I was going to say, I think that's why you started out as a CPA, because I think a lot of CPAs like puzzles. And here's how you're mo- you're growing your puzzle to help people get a creative solution to get a loan or financing. Right. Most of my deal flow comes from banks, bankers, that they have a, a project that, that, that does not fit their box. And they say, you know, call John. It's a meritorious deal or they don't call. They don't forward it. But it just does not. It's got too many moving parts to uh, not work in their bank. And the other part of it is, is you know, uh, patting myself on the back. My job uh, is to keep up with the bankers, not the banks, because 
this is corporate America. Banking is corporate America. And these guys, it's very difficult for the lender and the banker employee to move in the same direction at the same time rate over a period of time. So about uh, three years later, these bankers are looking for uh, a move. They w- they're going to move someplace else where they've got a, a different box to fill. And I want to be their first call. And they're, they're going to call me and say, John, now I need to fill this box. What you got? And I say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. And, <laughs> and away we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say you're proving why building relationships is incredibly important. Oh, very much. Very much. I've never worked in a bank. I worked on the treasury function for a number of larger companies, but I never worked in a bank. But I know that they're the source of deal flow for things that do not work, for things that work or do not work. You know, that's my job. And I think you also answered my other follow-up question because one of them was going to be, what would be the benefit of somebody going to a consultant like you instead of a bank? And, and you answered it. It's, it's more, you know, like you said, I, like I have no clue which bank to go to for you know, my, even my own business. So, I, I, A, you probably save them dings in their credit report and a whole lot of time and can get them where they want to go based on, you know, your experience, which is, you know, you've done deals. So, I, so, I, so I'll ask the other question. What's the toughest, some of the toughest deals or one of the toughest deals you've done in the past where you're like, you got the bank called you, hey, John, we can't do it. And then you got it and you're like, oh, crap. (laughs) Well, uh, let me back up just a bit because, you know, I agree with you. But, you know, I would also think that if people had got the ability and the time and expertise, you know, that kind of thing to do this business, then I would encourage them to do it. If you've got a company that needs $20 million and and you can define the parameters and and the bank that does that kind of deal, then go for it. You don't got to call me. But it, I get back to the same type of a thing, you know, the don't do things you're not good at. I have been a CPA for longer than I care to remember, and I pay somebody, another CPA, to do my taxes because I don't keep up with the tax law. And it, it, that just makes sense. But to answer your question on deal size and or deals, I had a real fun deal a few years ago that had to do with a, a, a company out of the Southeast America. U.S., Southeast U.S., that they would import mining tailings from Australia. Then they would refine those mining tailings into cobalt, extract the cobalt, and they would sell the cobalt to Shell Oil in the Netherlands. (laughs) (laughs) So now you've got stuff coming out of Australia going to Southeast America. It took a 10-day turnaround to uh, process it and then ship it to Shell oil in the in the Netherlands. Most bankers want to do things in their own backyard. You know, Australia is difficult to spell, let alone find. <laughs> you can't go there. I can't drive there at lunchtime. And they had uh, a local bank that went broke, uh, was bought out by a, a very prestigious regional bank that didn't want the deal. Guess what? It didn't fit their box. So the prospect then went to a factor and ran the factor out of money. Wow. They didn't have any more money to, <laughs> to support oh my goodness. that 36% interest. They couldn't, they couldn't support it anymore. So when I got it, you know, they were, it was one of those issues where if they produced a pound of this stuff, they could sell a hundred pounds. The demand was overwhelming, but they couldn't produce anymore because they didn't have working capital. 
So we ended up doing a, uh, a working capital and, and, and small equipment loan was only about four million bucks. So what do you got? You got a, a from from my side of the table, you've got an operating company. The differentiation is is that operating companies have a whole lot of moving parts, which is which trips my trigger, and and is a challenge as opposed to investment grade real estate, which is a multifamily building sitting over on the corner, which is pretty boring stuff. You know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> the, uh, so, so we got this thing done. It was on a you know, about a fifteen year loan at at you know whatever it was five and a half or six percent floating. Everybody's happy. I uh, keep in contact with the banker. I keep in contact with the prospect. He's bringing me more business, and everybody lives happily ever after. Amen. That was a fun, fun, fun deal. Now, the downside is is that the banker that was involved admitted that he could have gotten six deals done in the time that it took us to do this one because it was so complex. But that's my job. And you want to also remember that all of these bankers get paid on production. At some point in time, they get paid from the bank over and above their base salary. Most of the time, it's in the first quarter of the year for all the production from the prior year. So uh, a lot of them do not want to slow down to do uh, one deal when they can do six over there, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so sounds like sounds like you do you, you do know a little bit of magic, right? A little bit of magic if you got that. Done. Gosh, a lot of lot of mechanic, maybe a little magic. <laughs> but other than that, to uh, continue your your question, my um, and and why would uh, somebody call me in in the first place is is, you know, if they can do the deal without any help, then I think that they ought to. Uh, the second thing I would say is, is that what I do is based on success. It's not based on trying. Nobody pays me for trying. Nobody pays me until they get their funds. And then I just send them an invoice and that's how it works. I also assist in the production of the loan documents. That is, I don't get in the back in their back room and pull documents and do this stuff. But the biggest problem always, every time, um, on uh, loan production has to do with documentation. Uh, how do you get it? And and a lot of this stuff is just pull off the shelf stuff. The vast majority, as Allison will tell you, the vast majority is uh, pull off the shelf. I want to have articles of incorporation. I want to have certificates of good standing. I want to have insurance documents. I want to have financial statements for the last two or three years. I want to have tax returns. And And to the extent that a company cannot produce those quickly, it reflects negatively on management. If you do not have this stuff available now, why in the world would we we give you 10 million bucks? But I assist in that. I certainly do not pull documents. And all my fees are uh, based on success. If people uh, don't get their money, they don't owe me a nickel. Yeah, no, that's that's good to know. I mean, and that's a... That's a unique, uh, valuable service, uh, especially today, where it feels like it's even more complex today because there's more funding sources than ever, right? I mean, again, I, you know, I've been in business, I've been in the business world for 14, 15 years, but I just, am, I feel like, man, you can get, it's lots of places to get money today, so which means more complexity, and, and, and I, and I, and I, I personally have never met anybody who was super successful that said, hey, I want to. 
I'm going to do all this on my own. Like, no, most ones that, that are successful, they delegate. They're like, this is what I do best. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd rather just have people who are the best at what they do help me get what I need, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the ones that try to do it by themselves are either not as successful uh, at doing it and probably just aren't successful in their business in the first place if they have that kind of mindset where they want to do everything. So, yeah. Well, I, you know, when your uh, issue on micromanaging, is is exactly right and, it, and if i had all my druthers then i would want to talk to that guy and say look it what you need to do is treat this as a as a short-term project i need your undivided attention for the next 45 days i need this stuff now i don't need it to drag on for six months i don't need it we don't, we're not going to have this conversation a year from now you know whatever that's it that folks have to treat this as a short-term project, and, and once we're done with that project, then they get out of the finance business and they get into the back into the business of making money. These guys or these ladies uh, that are uh, looking for this funding, they are not making money when they are fiddling around with documentation for a bank. So let's get it done now. Uh, let's get it done quickly. Let's get your money and call me uh, when you need more. You know. That's my basic attitude, <laughs> and and it also points points out as, as uh, you would all, you would know. Once I a lot of my businesses repeat business. Why are we not surprised? You know, once I deliver cash, I'm on everybody's speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yep, you become their, their best friend. So so. Well, We'll, we'll we'll um let everybody know how to reach if they if they need some cash and 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 talk about the businesses that 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 you that you help. But before we go there, what's your favorite sport? Either watch play. What's your favorite sport? Well, I've been a, a Cowboys fan forever. I was a Cowboys fan when I was Oof. lived in many. I lived in Minneapolis, and and you know that didn't make me real popular when with, <laughs> with the Minnesota Vikings. But but late lately, I've been uh, more interested in cooking. And I've given up a lot of sports activities, but I get uh, fired up about my big green egg and whatnot. And, and I do uh, pulled pork, uh, <laughs> I do, uh, roast, I do steak, I do shrimp, you know, whatever. <laughs> I believe we'll be over for dinner next week. So. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Whenever you send the invite, we, we will be, but we, can, we can record over some pulled pork next time. Exactly. <laughs> so I'll, do, I'll do that. I've got a, I got ai did one last weekend that was succulent. <laughs> did did you, did you help Jerry get some, get Dak some of that hundred sixty million? Did you help Jerry find the money for that? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 uh, I'm, I'm shocked they went ahead and paid Dak because I was like, why are they stringing this out? And I was like, ah, Dak is a smart guy. He got the money. He got the bag. So. Oh yeah. So no, no. I think, and from what I've seen, it, you know, I I suspect that it's, it's money very well spent. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, if anybody's interested in, in in finding out about getting some money for deals, I have a couple of folks that like buy businesses, own businesses that listen. You know, where's the where's the best place to to reach you? And do you do you have any deal minimums? I I am really agnostic when it comes to dollar size or industry. I seldom do anything in excess of 100 million. I I 
do things, smaller things, some of them as an accommodation. That is, somebody needs a, you know, $150,000 or whatever for daughter's education, daughter's credit card. You know, I, I really don't care, dollar size or industry. And the fees are the same. You know, if I do it as an accommodation, I'm sure, you know, it's the same thing. I'm still on the speed dial. The uh, then the next thing that comes along is uh, you know I'm there, so I don't. It 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 just has to do with what the what the borrower the prospect needs. If I never do another SBA deal in my life, it wouldn't bother me because. But then <laughs> the other part of it is is what does the prospect need? Does he need financing for a jet? Does he need uh, financing for a tugboat? Does he need an SBA loan? You know. I don't care. That's not my job. My job is to satisfy the what the prospect's needs are. Give me all of the information. Let me digest it and differentiate between who's going to do the deal, who's not going to do the deal. Let's get at, let's get on with it. Awesome. And where is the best place to to reach out to you if somebody wants to get more information? Uh, the the best place is by email. It's John with an H J O H N dot Ronning, R-O-N-N-I-N-G, at F-C-F-C, as in Frank Charles, frankcharles.us.com. Got it. Got it. Well, appreciate that. Thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing, John. And like I said, next time we're going to do this over pulled pork, or if you can do ribs, we can do some ribs. You know, like I'll pick up the meat. I'll I'll bring the coleslaw. (laughs) That's the problem. I'll fix you both something special. Excellent. Thanks for your time. One of the biggest planning challenges I see for individuals that work at publicly traded companies are planning around their stock base or equity based compensation. They get stock options, restricted stock, employee stock purchase plans that can majorly affect uh, their tax situation and their balance sheet over time and the decision making process around what you do with your stock-based compensation can significantly impact your net worth in a positive or, or even a negative way, way over the long term. And so what I offer to potential new clients is to review your stock-based compensation plan and give my opinion on what you should do, what you should think about, how to put together a strategy around that. It's something that I do on an ongoing basis with existing clients, but I'll offer a no-cost no obligation, one-time consultation on your stock-based compensation plan for anybody who's interested to sign up for a time. Go to my website, StonehillWealthManagement.com and book a free investment, no cost, no obligation review. StonehillWealthManagement.com. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.